Section 17 of Handbook of Home Rule. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Handbook of Home Rule being Articles on the Irish Question. The Unionist Case for Home Rule by R. Barry O'Brien. Part 3 mr goldwin smith none of the recent opponents of home rule have written against that policy with more brilliance and epigrammatic keenness than mr goldwin smith but no one has stated with more force the facts and considerations which operating on men's mind for years past have made the liberal party home rulers now his coup d'oeil remains the most pointed indictment ever drawn from the historical annals of ireland against the english methods of governing that country twenty years ago he anticipated the advice recently given by mr gladstone in eighteen sixty seven he wrote i have myself sought and found in the study of irish history the explanation of the paradox that a people with so many gifts so amiable naturally so submissive to rulers and everywhere but in their own country industrious are in their own country bywords of idleness lawlessness disaffection and agrarian crime he explains the paradox thus but it is difficult to distinguish the faults of the irish from their misfortunes it has been well said of their past industrial character and history we were reckless ignorant improvident drunken and idle we were idle for we had nothing to do we were reckless for we had no hope we were ignorant for learning was denied us we were improvident for we had no future we were drunken for we sought to forget our misery that time has passed away forever no part of this defense is probably more true than that which connects the drunkenness of the Irish people with their misery. Drunkenness is, generally speaking, the vice of despair, and it springs from the despair of the Irish peasant as rankly as from that of his English fellow. The sums of money which have lately been transmitted by Irish emigrants to their friends in Ireland seem a conclusive answer to much loose denunciation of the national character both in a moral and an industrial point of view there seems no good reason for believing that the irish celts are averse to labor provided they be placed as people of all races require to be placed for two or three generations in circumstances favorable to industry he shows that the irish have not been so placed still more does justice require that allowance should be made on historical grounds for the failings of the irish people if they are wanting in industry in regard for the rights of property in reverence for the law history furnishes a full explanation of their defects without supposing in them any inherent depravity or even any inherent weakness they have never had the advantage of the training through which other nations have passed in their gradual rise from barbarism to civilization the progress of the irish people was arrested at almost a primitive stage 
and a series of calamities following close upon each other had prevented it from ever fairly resuming its course the pressure of overwhelming misery has now been reduced government has become mild and just the civilizing agency of education has been introduced the upper classes are rapidly returning to their duty and the natural effect is at once seen in the improved character of the people statesmen are bound to be well acquainted with the historical sources of the evil with which they have to deal especially when those evils are of such a nature as at first aspect to imply depravity in a nation there are still speakers and writers who seem to think that the irish are incurably vicious because the accumulated effects of so many centuries cannot be removed at once by a wave of the legislator's wand some still believe or affect to believe that the very air of the island is destructive of the characters and understandings of all who breathe it elsewhere he adds referring to the new land system how many centuries of a wide different training have the english people gone through in order to acquire their boasted love of law of the training through which the irish went he says the existing settlement of land in ireland whether dating from the confiscations of the stuarts or from those of cromwell rests on a proscription three or four times as long as that on which the settlement of land rests over a considerable part of france it may therefore be considered as placed upon discussion in the estimation of all sane men and this being the case it is safe to observe that no inherent want of respect for property is shown by the irish people if a proprietorship which had its origin within historical memory in flagrant wrong is less sacred in their eyes than it would be if it had its origins in immemorial right the character which he gives of irish landlordism deserves to be quoted the cromwellian landowners soon lost their religious character while they retained all the hardness of the fanatic and the feelings of puritan conquerors toward a conquered catholic people i have eaten with them said one drunk with them fought with them but i never prayed with them their descendants became probably the very worst upper class with which a country was ever afflicted the habits of the irish gentry grew beyond measure brutal and reckless and the coarseness of their debaucheries would have disgusted the crew of comus their drunkenness their blasphemy their ferocious dueling left the squires of england far behind if there was a grotesque side to their vices which mingles laughter with our reprobation this did not render their influence less pestilent to the community of which the motive of destiny had made them social chiefs fortunately their recklessness was sure in the end to work to a certain extent its own cure and in the background of their swinish and uproarious drinking bouts the encumbered estates act rises to our view mr goldwin smith deals with agrarian crime thus the atrocities perpetrated by the white boys 
especially in the earlier period of agrarianism for they afterwards grew somewhat less inhumane are such to make the flesh creep no language can be too strong in speaking of the horrors of such a state of society but it would be unjust to confound those agrarian conspiracies with ordinary crime or to suppose that they imply a propensity to ordinary crime either on the part of those who commit them or on the part of the people who connive at and favor their commission in the districts where agrarian conspiracy and outrage were most rife the number of ordinary crimes was very small in munster in eighteen thirty three out of nine hundred and seventy three crimes six hundred and twenty seven were white boy or agrarian and even of the remainder many being crimes of violence were probably committed from the same motive in plain truth the secret tribunals which administered the white boy code were to the people the organs of a wild law of social morality by which on the whole the interest of the peasant was protected they were not regular tribunals neither were the secret tribunals of germany in the middle ages the existence of which and the submission of the people to their jurisdiction implied the presence of much violence but not of much depravity considering the wildness of the times the white boys found in their favor already existing a general and settled hatred of the law among the great body of the peasantry we have seen how much the law and the ministers of the law had done to deserve the peasants love we have seen too in what successive guises property had presented itself to his mind first as open rapine then as robbery carried out on through the roguish technicalities of an alien code finally as legalized in systematic oppression was it possible that he should have formed so affectionate a reverence either for law or property as would be proof against the pressure of starvation a people cannot be expected to love and reverence oppression because it is consigned to the statute book and called law these extracts are taken from Irish history and Irish character, which was published in 1861. But in 1867, Mr. Goldwyn Smith wrote a series of letters to the Daily News, which were republished in 1868 under the title of The Irish Question. And these letters form perhaps the most statesmanlike and far-seeing pronouncement that has ever been made on the Irish difficulty in the preface mr goldwin smith begins the irish legislation of the last forty years notwithstanding the adoption of some remedial measures has failed through the indifference of parliament to the sentiments of irishmen and the hardness of english public opinion has embittered the effects on irish feeling of the indifference of parliament occasionally a serious effort has been made by an English statesman to induce Parliament to approach Irish questions in that spirit of sympathy and with that anxious desire to be just, without which a Parliament in London cannot legislate wisely for Ireland. Such efforts have hitherto met with no response. 
is it too much to hope that it will be otherwise in the year now coming the only comment i shall make on these words is they were penned more than half a century after mr pitt's union which was to shower down blessings on the irish people mr goldwin smith's first letter was written on the twenty-third of november eighteen sixty seven the day of the execution of the fenians allen larkin and o'brien he says there can be no doubt i apprehend that the irish difficulty has entered on a new phase and that the irish disaffection has to repeat an expression which i heard used in ireland come fairly into a line with the other discontented nationalities of europe actifeniism probably pervades only the lowest class passive sympathy which the success of the movement would at once convert into active cooperation extends it is to be feared a good deal higher england has ruined before her unless she can hit on a remedy and overcome any obstacles of class interest or of national pride which would prevent its application the part of russia and poland or of austria and italy a part cruel hateful demoralizing contrary to all our high principles and professions and fraught with dangers to our own freedom our positions will be worse than that of russia in this respect that while her poland is only a province our fenianism is an element pervading every city of the united kingdom in which irish abound and allying itself with kindred misery discontent and disorder wretchedness the result of misgovernment has caused the irish people to multiply with the recklessness of despair and now here are their avenging hosts in the midst of us here is the poison of their disaffection running through every member of our social frame not only so but the same wretchedness has sent millions of emigrants to form an irish nation in the united states where the irish are a great political power swaying by their votes the councils of the american republic and in immediate contact with those transatlantic possessions of england the retention of which it is now patriotic to applaud and will one day be patriotic to have dissuaded that ireland is not at this moment materially speaking in a particularly suffering state but on the contrary the farmers are rather prosperous and wages even when allowance is made for the rise in the price of provisions considerably higher than they were only adds to the significance of the widespread disaffection the fenian movement is not religious nor radically economical although no doubt it has in it a socialist element but national and the remedy for it must be one which cures national discontent this is the great truth which the english people have to lay to heart mr goldwin smith then dispels the notion that the irish question is a religious one when fenianism first appeared the orangemen in accordance with their fixed idea ascribed it to the priests they were undeceived i was told by seeing a priest run away from the fenians in fear of his life neither was it a question of the land 
the land question no doubt lies nearer to the heart of the matter and it is the great key to irish history in the past but i do not believe that even this is fundamental he then states what is fundamental the real root of the disaffection which exhibits itself at present in the guise of fenianism and which has been suddenly kindled into flame by the army of the irish in the american civil war but which existed before in a nameless and smouldering state is as i believe the want of national institutions of a national capital of any objects of national reverence and attachment and consequently of anything deserving to be called national life the english crown and parliament the irish have never learnt nor have they had any chance of learning to love or to regard as national notwithstanding the share which was given them too late in the representation the greatness of england is nothing to them her history is nothing or worse the success of irishmen in london consoles the irish in ireland no more than the success of italian adventurers in foreign countries which was very remarkable consoled the italian people the drawing off of irish talent in fact turns to an additional grievance in their mind dublin is a modern terra a metropolis from which the glory has departed and the viceroyalty though it pleases some of the tradesmen fails altogether to satisfy the people in ireland we can make no appeal to patriotism we can have no patriotic sentiments in our school books no patriotic emblems in our schools because in ireland everything patriotic is rebellious these were the words uttered in my hearing not by a complaining demagogue but by a desponding statesman they seem to me pregnant with fatal truths if the craving for national institutions and the disaffection bred in this void of the irish people's heart seemed to us irrational and even insane in the absence of any more substantial grievance we ought to ask ourselves what would become of our own patriotism if we had no national institutions no objects of national loyalty and reverence even though we might be pretty well governed at least in intention by neighboring people whom we regarded as aliens and who in fact regarded us pretty much in the same light let us first judge ourselves fairly and then judge the irish remembering always that they are more imaginative and sentimental and need some centre of national feeling and affection more than ourselves and all of this was written sixty-seven years after the union of eighteen hundred mr goldwin smith then deals with the subject of the irish and scotch unions much in the same way as mr lecky the incorporation of the scotch nation with the english being conducted on the right principles of the great whig statesman of am has been perfectly successful the attempt to incorporate the irish nation with the english and scotch the success of which would have been if possible a still greater blessing being conducted by very different people and on very different principles has unhappily failed what might have been the result if even the hanoverian sovereigns had done the personal duty to their irish kingdom which they have unfortunately neglected 
it is now too late to inquire the irish union has missed its port and in order to reach it will have to tack again we may hold down a dependency of course by force in russian and austrian fashion but force will never make the hearts of two nations one especially when they are divided by the sea once get rid of this deadly international hatred and there will be hope of real union in the future mr goldwin smith finally proposes a plan by which the deadly international hatred might be got rid of and a real union brought about here it is number one the residents of the court at dublin not merely to gratify the popular love of royalty and its pageantries which no man of sense desires to stimulate but to assure the irish people in the only way possible as regards the mass of them that the sovereign of the united kingdom is really their sovereign and that they are equally cared for and honored with the other subjects of the realm this would also tend to make dublin a real capital and to gather and retain there a portion of the irish talent which now seeks its fortune elsewhere number two an occasional session say once in every three years of the imperial parliament in dublin partly for the same purposes as the last proposal but also because the circumstances of ireland are likely to be for some time at least really peculiar and the personal acquaintance of our legislators with them is the only sufficient security for good irish legislation there could be no serious difficulty in holding a short session in the irish capital where there is plenty of accommodation for both houses number three a liberal measure of self-government for ireland i would not vest the power in any single assembly for all ireland because ulster is really a different country from the other provinces i would give each province a council of its own and empower that council to legislate subject of course to the supremacy of the imperial parliament on all matters not essential to the political and legal unity of the empire which i would include local education the provincial council should of course be elective and the register of electors might be the same as that of electors to the imperial parliament in england itself the extension of local institutions as political training schools for the masses as checks upon the sweeping action of the great central assembly and as the best organs of legislation in all matters requiring as popular education among others does adaptation to the circumstances of any particular districts would i think have formed a part of any statesmanlike revision of our political system here also much good might be done and much evil averted by committing the present business of quarter sessions other than the judicial business together with such matters as the central legislative might think fit to vest in local hands to an assembly elected by the county thus it will be seen that twenty years ago mr goldwood smith anticipated mr chamberlain's scheme of provincial councils and got a good way on the road to an irish parliament end of section seventeen